scary stories from Camp Roanoke. This is a podcast where we tell true scary stories. My name is Katie Wiggins. I'm Morgan Driscoll. I, I, I might have peer pressured Katie into having one more cup of coffee. <laughs> one more cup of coffee than I'm usually comfortable with. So we're right up against that threshold. So we're going to see how Push I it to the max. handle it. Um, bad, I think. Okay. So, um, I'm going to do something very special today. I know I say that all the time. It's always special. And it's always true. <laughs> so I'm going to continue to not be a liar. Um, because today <laughs> I'm using a paranormal television show that's basically the father of all paranormal television shows, uh, hosted by the famous Leonard Nimoy, who <gasps> played Spock in the original right, Star Trek. Right. I am doing the show in search of myths, monsters, lost civilizations, phenomena, in search of pyramids and an eye. Anyway, that's the opening music. I've never heard of this. Okay, if you didn't grow up watching... Okay, have you seen the Simpsons episode where they uh, have Mulder and Scully from the X-Files? Yes. I've seen them where all, Mr. Burns, Where Mr. Burns is an <gasps> alien? Oh, that's classic. That's a tattoo where he's all... <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> Peace and love. Yes. So that episode... You know how it had Leonard Nimoy sitting at a chair, mm -hmm. basically narrating the whole thing? That's making fun of this. Okay. Right. So that's how I've known about this for since I was a child. Oh. Yes. So, but I had never watched it before. I'd never seen the real thing. And then I was like, heard about it again. And I was like, I wonder if they had a, a haunted episode. Oh, do they ever? <gasps> They have a Haunted Castles episode. It was made for you. <laughs> you have no idea. Um, and they have another episode that is literally about Maine. <gasps> and uh, I know it is overwhelming. Please pace yourself. So I, I, I feel like we've been Maine heavy for about a year. <laughs> So I thought that I would um, go back to my roots, as I always say, and and do some some real, really, really British oh, um, shit. Good. And this is like uh, early seventies British shit. So these are like some real life aristocrats that remember being dickheads in the forties when it still meant something to be an aristocrat. But can I? Can I? Can you indulge me in getting one laugh? No. no, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah, I want to get one need? last main thing out. Just I got. <laughs> yeah, okay. I watched what? Um, what Morgan? What I watched Stephen King's Maximum Overdrive. I think I mentioned it with his trailer. <laughs> to stop. It was so good. It was so bad. ACDC does the music. It's yeah. All of the music is ACDC. Stephen King was coked out of his mind the entire time. His first time directing one of his movies. Last time. Oh, he was also God. drinking Listerine on the set, allegedly. Definitely cracked up, coked out of his mind. 
It's it's so good. It's so oh, good. God. I recommend it. I recommend it, and I'm done. No more main. If he was drinking Listerine, he was probably doing things more intense than cocaine. Yeah. Well, he was an alcoholic. I think um, Stephen King was, like, fucked up on crank while he was making (gasps) Maximum Overdrive. (laughs) I think that's a street name for meth. Oh. Some of our Ohio listeners, (laughs) let us know. So, in search of (laughs) haunted castles. That's what they're in search of. Let's see if you find it. (laughs) And none were found. So we uh, we lights up on Leonard Nimoy walking uh, a cemetery in England. He's wearing an ascot and I think a polo and then a jacket not unlike your own tweed on top of all of this. And he's got like a real intense bowl cut. Very fascinating look in and of itself. Mm-hmm. And he uh, narrates this whole situation. Spock is narrating. But this is like country Spock. Oh. (laughs) Can you give us a little Um, country Spock? Well, okay. The problem with me doing an impression of Leonard Nimoy is that his voice is like four octaves lower than mine. Yeah, it's a little deep. So there's literally nothing I can do. All of my... uh, gifts of mimicry uh fail me but don't worry you will get to see some gifts of mimicry almost in all of the emails that we get from people talking about how much they like the podcast they inevitably mention how much they enjoy the british accents specifically so um i'm giving you what you want you dirty dirty listeners (laughs) now so lights up on woolerton manor where we catch up with a Captain Thimbleby. <laughs> no, we don't. That's not true. Yes. Yes, we are. And yes, it is. <laughs> you shut up. Captain Thimbleby is real. I uh, don't believe. And his hair looks painted on. Very weird. It looks like you could maybe take it all off in one is go. Is it what? Like a Polly Pocket <gasps> hair. It looks like, like it just... It No, not glossy. It looks like it's almost made of like hardened wax. Like you could, <gasps> could just go... And just pop it right off. Oh, I love that. Anyway, so he's discussing a former resident, Lord Thomas Princhard. Now, he relays the story as such. After no doubt a very <laughs> successful dinner party, Thomas made a wager with a belly full of port that he could ride his horse-drawn carriage up the stairs. And you can see that some of the stairs have been repaired from the damage it caused doing just that. How he got down again, one doesn't know, but he won his wager, and we hear him going up the stairs every now and again over the years. And then Leonard Nimoy says, the strange part is, it has never been heard coming down the stairs. Which I feel like is, like, the least strange part of that entire thing. <laughs> so what it, what, what it feels like in this show is that they just ran up and down a bunch of castles in, in England and knocked on the door and whatever bumbling aristocrat, they're not bumbling, they're just weird, aristocrat answered the door 
They were just like, so, any ghosts? And they're like, well, yes, come in. <laughs> My ancestor. And then that's just, they just told these stories. So you're going to hear from a lot of very wealthy Brits. That's amazing. Uh, yeah, and that's just the first one is Lord Thomas Princhard, who apparently drunkenly one night after no doubt of very city, I don't know if concluding a dinner party in this way would indicate that it was obviously successful, but uh, he got drunk and was like, I can ride my fucking carriage up the stairs. And everybody was like, why like would it. you ever do that? And he's like, you think I can't? I can't. <laughs> Everyone loves the drunk person that dares themselves to do mm-hmm. something. Always mm-hmm. fun. Mm-hmm. So then he threw open the doors, apparently, got his horse and carriage. So it must have been um, in the 1700s to the early to mid 1800s. And he just came up the stone stairs. And apparently it was so heavy and intense and damaging what he was doing. That it literally cut into the stone, which it showed film of that they had to repair the stone because of all these clipping, clopping horses. And, um, yeah, how do you get down, though? Jesus. Because I don't think horses horses walk down stairs easily. Mm -mm. Um, and that's how the elevator was invented. (laughs) Right then and there. To get... Lord Thomas Princhard and his horse is down. Uh, And apparently they hear the sounds of that fateful, yeah, yeah. That's got to be loud as hell. Really? Uh, Anyway, so that's just the tiny, just a little snibble nip nip from Willerton Manor. Snibble dip nip. Just a snibble dink. You know. So now we go to Dorset. Where we meet up with Emma Leavesley. Emma Leavesley is this beautiful young woman, probably our age. She's got really long, dark bangs. Like, the kind of bangs that, like, you can barely see the tops of their eyelids bangs. Like, so low. And I'm like, how do you not touch those constantly? Because I can't have bangs that hang like that and not touch them constantly. Anyway, she's got dark, shiny hair. And then, like, shoulder-length hair. Very pretty. Very lightly spoken. uh, Gently spoken. Uh, bluish eyes and then like a nice dark eyeliner. And I'm like, huh, 70s? It seems like someone knew what they were doing. I'm sorry, I have no disrespect for the 70s. Actually, I have a lot of disrespect for the 70s. Never mind. That's okay, I love it. (laughs) Retracted. (laughs) No, okay, you know what? The 70s made a choice and I appreciate that. You look at a 70s advertisement, that is a choice. You look Mm -hmm. at ads now and it's like everything is so sleek and it's so white and it's so steel. And it's just like in the 70s, they had a color palette and they were going for it. Mustard? <laughs> Wood? Pea green. Mm-hmm. Now, Light pink bathrooms. I'm done. Avocado bathrooms. Ooh. Avocado kitchen. No. No. <laughs> so, Emma leaves Lee. And she, she just must have been home when they knocked on the fucking door. Uh, and it shows this this gorgeous multi-story home, ivy covered, etc. in the country side. Right. <laughs> so it's been in my family for over 400 years. And oh, apparently something monstrous appears in the middle of the night and... It's actually scared two of my ancestors into insanity. 
<laughs> she sounds almost like Audrey Hepburn, affected but English and strange. But I'm into it. I love it. <laughs> she continues. I always oh, hated sleeping there. I dreaded it. I had nightmares there and I woke up in the middle of the night feeling they were real and there was something horrible about it. Anyway, one night when my grandmother was a very little girl, about 1880 or 1890, she and her sister were living in the house and on either ends of a corridor, probably in the same room I was in, maybe even the same bed. One night... They were getting ready for bed on either side of the corridors. And what happens next, no one knows for sure. But it was obviously horrifying. So then, <laughs> the dramatization <gasps> fills us in. <laughs> and it's very 1970s because I'm like, bitch, no one in the 1880s had their hair fluffed out like that. Nor their eyebrows <laughs> filled bang. in like that. There's something about a 70s eyebrow. You can tell it anywhere. Anywhere, I tell you. Uh, so you see this woman, this woman in the frilly night dress, a frilly oh. nightgown. <laughs> and and she, two cups of coffee, kids, two cups, very strong. I use probably quadruple the amount of grounds that they suggest because I need it. Anyway, um, and and it's this woman and she's in bed. She's going to bed, and then um, she's tossing and turning until this grandfather clock, like, strikes midnight. And then she sees before her this gigantic black cloaked thing, except for the face is, like, painted white like a Japanese kabuki theater mask. And it's got this crazy red lips and this, like, eyeliner. It's just a super creepy, crazy-looking dude. And she just starts screaming her fucking head off. Drag demon. Indeed. So my grandmother rushed down the corridor to see what was the matter and thought she saw something only for a moment that was so horrible she almost fainted. But it disappeared and she ran to find her sister who had stopped screaming because she was dead on her pillow. (gasps) I hated the story and I wish she'd never told me. I still have nightmares about it and I'm sure I feel something of what that poor girl went through when I slept up in that room. They never really describe what was so horrible about this thing or what the thing was. But apparently it's just part of her family's lore that something horrible lives in this country home. I feel like people back in that time period, late 1800s, they fainted a lot more and got a lot more overwhelmed by things. Maybe they didn't have enough vitamins and minerals in their diet. I don't know. Counterpoint. It makes sense. Women had to wear corsets, which um, (gasps) greatly reduced the amount of uh, air you could breathe, meaning oxygen to your blood. So you were much more likely to faint, even after doing very minimal physical exercise. After walking up the stairs, you might feel dizzy if you were wearing a corset, as were the fashion then. Yeah. Why don't you think about that before you dish out your famous judgment, Morgan? <laughs> Good point. I'm just wondering. I think if we were there and we saw it, would we drop dead? Maybe. 
Well, I mean, they also did, just... they didn't have any movies. They didn't have any fucking anything. <gasps> like to, the most yeah. violent thing that ever seen was maybe out of the corner of their eye, a chicken getting beheaded by the farm boy. And the farm That's boy's acne was still the most violent thing they saw that day. <laughs> um, yeah. That's so, I mean, point. like what, what violence would they see? Other than livestock related. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. I mean, That's if they saw literally point. anything, it would be stunned. I mean, we are so desensitized. Uh, yeah. Someone could get, like, chainsaw beheaded in front of us and we'd probably... Well, in New York, definitely. No, not true. The other day, there was a big rainstorm and, uh, and <laughs> lightning crashed and there was a huge thing of uh bol- crash of thunder and everybody in the subway station went whoa <laughs> so new yorkers still can feel but only when it's <laughs> when it's weather related because uh, a homeless terrifying person will come really close to you and you'll still be scrolling on instagram but you hear a really bit loud thunder wow <laughs> can't help myself from reacting the little things yeah um anyway so she, that woman died <laughs> apparently <laughs> and i wish she hadn't told me i wonder what that woman's doing now that charming aristocratic woman what are you up to how did the eighties treat you yes you're right probably nothing <laughs> okay <laughs> so now <clears throat> We get to meet up with Robin Woodsworth, a white-haired old aristocrat. And we'll be talking about Bad Lake House, which was built oh in God. 1759, or that's when it had been most recently refurbished. So, Squire William Light went out hunting, perhaps a little drunk, He passed out on his horse and was dunked in the river when the horse went for a drink. And he drowned himself in the shallow water. His groom went searching for him as he was late. And then in the dramatization, it cuts between this old white-haired man in a sweater telling the story to uh, a man just unconscious on a horse in a lake falling off and then just laying there dying. And then... When his groom comes looking for him, his manservant, his valet, if you will, uh, comes looking for him, riding up to the shores of this river in broad daylight, which I thought was strange because it's like, nah, it's not very spooky, is it? Uh, this, yeah. this, uh, he rises from his watery grave what? and just starts walking towards the groom. The groom, like passes out from sheer terror and he was later found by his wife by the river who told his monstrous story and then died moments later (gasps) what during the 40 years i've been here quite a number of level-headed people have felt disturbances of many different kinds which basically means nothing that sentence uh, it is so vague um you know sights and sounds and feelings <laughs> words words emotions life death what does it all mean one wonders but sh- shalt want want to, to again 
No, the answer is no. The local priest tried to exorcise the home, but people believe his work was only effective as to confine the spirit of the um, squire to the chimney. Oh. (laughs) That's one way of going about it. It's like, well, we were having stuff like right all the time. But then after the priest come and done it, we ain't got nothing more. Except we get weird bangs in the chimney. It could be a raccoon, but I doubt it. <laughs> it's like that junk closet where you store all your shit. <laughs> He's like, he doesn't want to go. Is there anywhere I can put his spirit? Oh, well, right. Leave it in the chimney then. <laughs> go that on impression in the you were doing. The, the priest impression that you just did was, the, he was a priest, I think, in um Haunted Mansion, oh, Haunted House, I know. The, Eddie Murphy, whatever. <laughs> Mr. Evers, welcome. <laughs> Your family is beautiful. Uh, yes, I was, I, yeah, I, I knew that. I knew that. But thanks for <laughs> outing me, Morgan. I just feel it in my heart. Yeah. And I have to. I did too. <laughs> Mr. Oh, Evers, the master has been very sad of late. He would prefer <laughs> to be rid of this house. <laughs> Too many bad memories. Um, watch Haunted Mansion if you haven't. Give it another oh, go. It so is sincerely good. very funny and interesting. It holds the test of time. People have even said that they hear the groom yelling after the squire. Others still believe they've seen the squire emerge from the water. Me, I don't give a dilly damn about whatever the (laughs) poor folks see on my river as long as they don't shoot any of my guinea fowl. (laughs) That's the most... I made up that last sentence. I made up that last sentence. He did not say dilly damn. That would be insane. Uh, And I'm pretty sure guinea fowl... uh, well we don't know we're gonna reserve judgment on guinea fowl okay <laughs> i've got some opinions <laughs> oh good. i really don't know what even that is i've also heard the word pheasant interchangeable mm. also don't know i assume bird? it's well, this one time i ordered a bird i don't know what kind and it was like the size of two fists and there were a lot of tiny oh. bones, and it was weird, and it oh, felt unnecessary. Oh. It's like, why not just a chicken? Why not a just Cornish a Cornish game head? There it is. Ah, we're, it's so fun. We're coming up with lots of words that we don't know what they mean. <laughs> words, <laughs> notions, feelings of whether you're vibrating up and down and twirling round. And <laughs> no one's known, but I know they have. Anyway, right, so lights up on the heart of London. We have left <gasps> the uh, and they're off. the countryside. Um, so basically walk 20 Good. feet in any direction and you've hit <laughs> London uh, in England because it is a very small hole. Um, and, oh, you know what I saw strange today? Man on the subway, he had... The skyline of New York tattooed on his arm, but he also had a Texas flag embroidered on his backpack. 
And I was like, one of these is not true. (laughs) (laughs) Choose one. Yeah, really, though, because I just don't believe it. A Texan has way too much pride to tattoo another state's skyline. Oh, the big Yankee city? I don't think so. I don't think so. It was um, very confusing. Made me think that maybe he just found that Texas flag and then just put it on his backpack because he thought it was fun. You can't do that. Maybe. He's being ironic. No. So, you couldn't see it, listeners, but I was giving a (laughs) withering stare. Now, I didn't give a dilly damn. damn. So, we're in the heart of London at the George Inn, which has been a pub in one way or another for the past 300 years. You know, some places. They just beg people to drink in them. And um, this is one of those places, apparently. But also, it could be that it had a bar. uh, So every person that bought it just decided to make it a bar. So, this is some really interesting camera work. Uh, so So you see a shot inside the pub. And then of, like, people talking, drinking, cavorting, as they do... And then it slowly zooms on this man drinking a pint. And then the man starts addressing the camera. And apparently he is the person that we are talking to now. And I'm like, ooh, okay. Interesting. What a way to set the scene. So they are coming up on Bill Grundy. He's a documentary filmmaker for the BBC. And um, he's going to give his account. Let's listen. (laughs) Okay. After the summer of 1975, I made several TV films about the ghosts of London. I came in here for a drink, and the landlord said he liked the films, but he said it was a pity they didn't do our ghost. Whatever do you mean? He elaborated. Said they had one right there in the inn. Must have also been an inn. I asked him, do you believe in ghosts? No, but my wife does. I said, explain. He said, all right. Before we opened one day, at about 10 a.m., she came up from the cellar all white. She said she'd never go down in the cellar again. She said there was a man down there. He said, there can't be, it's closed. She said, no, not that kind of man. It was a... (laughs) It was a cavalier standing in the corner, a man in historical costume, and she never went down again. Now, Grundy, the guy who I've just been impersonating, heard about this and contacted a Francis Hitching to film and record in the cellar. Now, Francis Hitching is essentially a proto-paranormal investigator. Um... He's very 70s, mustachioed. Um, But honestly, the film quality was so poor, you only get the vaguest sense of what these people look like in real life. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That's amazing. mm. So, uh, So he's interviewed now down in the cellar. I've been investigating for a number of years now, and it seemed like a particularly good and typical example of a ghost. 
You know, it's an old building, one of the oldest cellars in London, certainly old London. And when he says old London, he means the London before the fire brought it all down. And also before the Nazis destroyed a lot of it. So there are a few buildings in London that are um, old. (laughs) The rest of them are a Jim Jam schlimmel schlamel of uh, a bunch of different eras of architecture. And frankly, I detest it. But it's really not their fault that there was a horrific ravaging fire many times, uh, nor that the Nazis invented the Blitzkrieg. So... Perfect place for a ghost. Old London. Uh, And I also heard, you know, two witnesses talking about someone in Stuart costume. You know, very typical and worth investigating with modern equipment. And as he says, modern equipment, it uh, ironically pans to his gigantic tape recorder. This thing is huge. It is the size of my laptop. Tall wise, when my laptop is open, that was a very dumb way to say that. <laughs> it's like as tall as a laptop, and it's like great, three inches, uh, an open laptop. But don't you get me started about the depth of this object? Um, it's like the size of two loaves of bread on top of each other. <laughs> we are whole <laughs> sourdough. And uh, and so oh it's my. like these two rotating circles of uh, of tape recording. Okay, <laughs> I see. And he's like, they must be confused by my modern equipment. And it's like <laughs> creaking to life. It's hilarious. <gasps> yeah. Now we have excellent modern equipment, such as a teddy bear with a light-up stomach that if you touch it, it'll tell us what you said, ghost. Nowhere to hide. Um, So he sealed the doors from the inside, which is, yes, how else? Unless you're Zach Bagans, you are not going to nail yourself in from the outside. Um, And much to my surprise, we found something. And that cracked me up because it's like, much to your surprise, what do you do then? How dare you? You shouldn't be shocked if you find something. This is your fucking livelihood. (laughs) Why would you take the gig if you were so sure? Yeah, it's like so typical, so typical. Shockingly, we found something. I think he was just one of those like ghost writers who just like writes about all these pubs in England. They all have the same story. And then they're actually like shocked when something paranormal actually happens. Anywho, they find something. So he had the camera um, focused on a black column, like a support beam in the cellar, which is like, why would you focus on that? Okay, fine. No big deal. Hey, not judging. I'm not Morgan. (laughs) So, so I've got a lot of opinions and I love sharing them. I am one of the most judgmental people I know. It's very funny that I'm projecting onto you, to me. Okay, so um, he's got it focused on this dark pillar in the middle of the room. And he says, now, when I was there at the time that this was taken, I saw nothing. But 
coming up on the screen is the most extraordinary thing. What is it? Is it a light? Nobody else was there. And it goes away. So what you see is, I mean, it's really a strangely, I mean, it's so it's a screen in the center is this dark pillar. And then in front of this dark pillar, you see this weird white mist start manifesting out of nowhere. And it sort of undulates and like changes shape and moves around. And then it just kind of falls away after about a minute. So it's there for like a while. And then he starts waffling on really bizarrely. Now, I used to think that strong emotions were simply printed onto the fabric of the building, and that's what created this sort of activity, this sort of strangeness. But that was yesterday, and that's not what I believe today after watching this. And what I'll believe tomorrow, I just don't know. Perhaps one day I'll find out. <laughs> okay, buddy. I think we've got enough. Uh, you, you can go. <laughs> what the f- fuck does it that's what i believed yesterday but what will i believe tomorrow i'll never know (laughs) why is he acting like he's so i i'm down to believe anything when he was like shockingly we saw a ghost even though it's my job (laughs) to see ghosts (laughs) he um apparently it turned his literal entire paranormal philosophy on its head when he saw that wispy whiteness um so you know good for him I, I like it. I dig it. <laughs> so then, um, so then Leonard Nimoy comes in to to round it all off, and says, "What are ghosts? One theory is that a haunting is a violent release of energy, somehow frozen in time, and when the weather conditions are right, it's somehow played back like a recording. I know climate. You always weather, find the weather. It comes back to weather always." And then he says, impossible? So was Xeroxing and holography just a few years ago. No. (laughs) Wait, what's holography? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. Holography (laughs) is the study or production of holograms. Oh. So if you thought... You couldn't, only a few (laughs) years ago, we didn't think we could have a hologram and a Xerox, but we did. We started it. So if you don't believe in ghosts, why don't you just wait another couple years, because the Xerox You don't believe in Xeroxes. (laughs) Because nobody believed in Xeroxes. And then we did it. So... Okay. It's just a picture. Um, And also holograms. Huh. What have we done with holograms? Yeah. All we do with holograms is um, disrespect dead celebrities. So, yeah, I thought it'd be used a lot more in advertising by now. The past seemed to think we would utilize holograms a lot more than we have. I think everyone thought, well, I guess it was Star Wars where they had the little like, help me, Obi-Wan. You're my only hope. That like they thought that like you could just like open like a little comp like a phone and then like someone's whole body could just like appear but no we um didn't go in that direction (laughs) no we went back to projectors samsung has this incredibly expensive amazing television that is just a projector onto your wall oh that sounds cool. we're going backwards people it look it's it's so cool but we're going back okay xerox xerox i think xerox machines are super cool especially used in an art capacity okay 
Guess what? What? I have listener stories. <gasps> I have listener stories for you. Christmas for me. Okay. Now that we've listened to that. That was the story. Um, Thank you. So I got this email from a wonderful woman named Ruth. Hi, Ruth. It um, follows. Hi, guys. Yep, I have a Hotmail account. I have had it since <laughs> just after undergrad in 2000. Anyway, I love your podcast. I plan on giving you a review. I really adore the way you all remind me of the conversations I used to have with my girlfriends before children. Oh. Oh. <sighs> Fuck those kids. Children just kidding. Suck. Just kidding. Just kidding. I'm sure they're lovely. I have lots of scary stories from my travels and family. So, she has a ton, and I figured I'd just read them, and if you don't want to hear them, you can just stop now, and if you do, hang out for a while. Stay after after ah! hours. We're going to have a couple beers and bang the set. I can't even pr- pretend to like beer. Okay. <laughs> um, one of the stories is as follows. My maternal grandpa was born in a small community in the early 1900s. The community really was just a road in a very small river village. He only obtained a third grade education in the local one-room schoolhouse. Their home was a dirt floor cabin off of Mud Run Road. Oh, good. In Gallipolis, 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 um, Ferry, West Virginia. Okay. To say this was a rural community would be a huge understatement. There was not really any industry in the town besides the river. (laughs) Oh, my God. That is rural. Uh, So the family were very self-sustaining. They grew or hunted their food and raised their own animals. My grandpa was one of the older children and had 12 siblings. His mother died when he was young, and shortly after that, his father left all the children to fend for themselves. As the story goes, well, there were enough to field a baseball team, so... I bet they That's did true. just fine. Only in baseball terms. Aside from that, yeah, they played it's a mean game beyond my jurisdiction. <laughs> As the story goes, my great grandfather charged the children rent and allowed them to remain in the home after he left. Charged them rent. Okay. <gasps> what a turd. They had a grandmother and an uncle who lived near, although from the stories I have heard, the grandmother was busy caring for the, quote, half-simple uncle, God, the past, charming place. At least that was how my grandpa referred to the uncle. In this cabin, all the children slept in the same room, so from the oldest to the youngest, they were all there. My mom tells this story as if all the children were witnesses, so if there are any Neville family members from West Virginia who listen to this, they will recognize the story. Hello, Neville family members from West Virginia. Welcome. I gather this happened before my great-grandma died because the baby in the story was very young and would most likely still be be breastfed. Since they were very poor, I seriously doubt the baby had a crib. It has always been described to me as the bed where the baby slept. Being in a very rural area is hard to imagine how dark it must have been in that room. I can only imagine that any light would have seemed blinding. However, one night after all the children were asleep, my grandpa witnesses 
a white glowing ball float into the window in a rolling motion. When the ball was just over the baby's bed, it stopped. The ball became a small man in a long white robe with a long white beard. That is so upsetting. What? When I I picture him in my head, I think of a tiny Gandalf the White. That's funny because I was thinking of uh, Father Time in um, Rudolph's Happy New Year. (laughs) What a specific reference. That's just fit the description. I mean, yeah, it does. It no does. disrespect. The tiny man looked upon the... That's so weird. Tiny, there's something about a tiny, tiny old man, man that just is upsetting. Uh, the tiny yeah. man looked upon the baby in the bed with a lamp held in his hand and smiled at the baby. Then the man left and my grandpa went back to sleep. When they woke up the next day, the baby had died. <gasps> oh! Oh! Yeah. So maybe Grandfather Time picked up a side job as the Grim fucking Reaper. Jesus. That is a very sad, very interesting story. Yeah. Guess what? I'm not even going to give you a second to digest before I go into another. Okay. Growing Up in the Hills is the title of this one. Yum. It does not start with yum. I... (laughs) I grew up essentially right across the Ohio River where my grandparents both grew up. There were always tales of ghosts, spirits, angels, demons, and monsters. The most famous monster from this area is the Mothman. (laughs) I am not sure about monsters, but I'm very sure of ghosts, angels, spirits, sorry, it's not plural, and yes, demons. I have personally encountered all but one of those. (laughs) Fingers crossed who you didn't encounter and am (laughs) glad I have never encountered the last. Good. Good. Uh, My home was about seven miles south of Gallipolis, Ohio. Wait, if it was... I thought it was West Virginia, Mount Mama. I don't know. Maybe there's Gallipolis is sprinkled about. No, it's probably just a typo. Uh, Somewhere. I don't know which one. Along South Route 7. My grandparents lived next door to us, and their house faced the highway. Both houses sat up on a hill. We could see the huge barges float by on the river, and at night the lights from the barges would shine into my grandparents' bedroom as the boats looked for a place to tie up and dock for the night. My grandparents met working on a river barge. I was very close to my grandma, and I lived with her for a time after my grandpa passed away. I was about six when he passed. She wasn't much into ghosts, although she never actually denied them. We always heard stories of haunted houses. I guess everyone does. I did not. I never passed a place where people said it was haunted. I always wished places were haunted. And then I was shushed. But guess what? Now I fucking live in that world. Now I'm doing the shushing. And then I moved to Massachusetts and fucking every single place I went was haunted. So I got my due... It wasn't pleasant, though. It's actually pretty intense (laughs) in reality. Uh, Anyway. Uh, But when you hear them so much, they stop being scary and start being part of life. My mom always claimed to be able to see ghosts. While I have never seen one, I have felt them. Feeling them is enough for me. Preach, sister. Uh, My mom had an experience when I was in high school that was interesting. 
One night, she and my dad were watching TV in the living room, and my dad did a quick look at my mom. Mom was sitting on the couch with her back to the hallway. Dad claimed to see someone walk behind her. This was odd because they were home alone. I might add here that I was raised Mormon. In this faith, we believe that we all lived before we were born, and those who pass on all go to the spirit world to await final judgment. While... while there, we can meet and talk to ancestors. Oh, that's nice little meet and greet before the big test. Learn about the universe. Get acquainted with those who have not yet been born. Oh, but what if you're an introvert? Sounds yeah. not like eternal rest. This is an important insight because we all filter what we see through our preset biases. Astute. I think it is pretty obvious that our biases are, at the very least, influenced by our faith. (laughs) I don't think my Catholic upbringing has had any effect whatsoever (laughs) on my fascination with the paranormal and especially exorcisms. Thank you very much. Um, Yes, it has. Also, (laughs) Also, my daughter, when she was two, told an amazing story, which closely resembled a memory of walking in a beautiful city with her grandfather, my dad. The only thing was, my dad passed away about three years before she was born, so we truly believe that they were together before she was born. Anyway, my dad mentioned to my mom that he thought he saw someone walk behind her down the hallway, but neither of them felt afraid or like there was a problem. A while later, my mom went to bed. Their bedroom was in the back of the house, and she was always a deep sleeper unless something was wrong with one of us kids. In those cases, she'd be awake in a second at the slightest sound. I personally woke her up more times than I can count by simply standing still and staring at her. That's very weird. In uh, super creepy kid fashion. Ah, yes. She's aware. (laughs) That particular night, she was jarred awake by a feeling that someone was watching her. When she opened her eyes, she could see a small boy, about four or five years old, with dark brown curly hair and brown eyes. Most of my family have either blue or hazel eyes, and no one really has curly hair. Sounds like my brother. I'm sorry, and it won't happen again. (laughs) So this child was not in our family, at least yet. Mom said he was gone in a flash. She said she did not feel threatened or afraid. Well, maybe you should have. Adam... (laughs) He he's rowdy. Um, Mom said he was gone in a flash. He didn't feel threatened. Perhaps this was a child that was curious and possible had already passed away or was considering becoming part of our family. Oh, just giving a little look, see, see if uh, they're a good fit for the company. Test drive. (laughs) No, if it was Adam, he would have shaved off half your eyebrows. Anyway, the University of Rio. Grand. Never know how people want me to pronounce that. Grande or grand? All right, moving on. I graduated from a small college close to my hometown. It is the University of Rio Grande. It is nestled in the hills close to the Bob Evans farm, the home of Bob Evans, the man who began the restaurant chain. I've never heard of that. Have you? I think I've heard of it. The name sounds familiar. So the university is actually built on a great deal of land donated by the Evans family. I started college in the 95-96 school year. The college was established in the late 1800s, and even though it was small, it had a history of both good and bad things, as most 
places do. There were always stories of students who committed suicide in the dorms, which was the reason students used to explain why the windows didn't fully open in all the dorms. But one dorm in particular was super creepy. It was, if I recall, Molten Hall. If It was not offered as a dorm room when I came in as a freshman, but later in my junior year became the dorm for those 21 years and over. Rio Grande is a dry village, and the campus was also dry. (laughs) Um, Alcohol was prohibited in all dorms until they opened Molten to those 21 years old only. I bet Molten was the party hall. Uh, This dorm was supposed to be haunted by a boy who committed suicide by jumping out the window. Now... I'm not afraid of ghosts. I do not think they can harm you. (laughs) (laughs) I hope to God you're right. But there are others. Um, But there are others. But as I have said, I am fortunate that I have never really encountered others. Or if I have, they fled quickly when I demanded they leave in the name of Jesus. Anyway... One of my sorority sisters lived in Molten Hall. One night, I was on campus late and decided I was too tired to risk the drive to my off-campus apartment, so I stayed in her room. She left to go to a party, but I was too exhausted and needed sleep, so I was in the room alone. I got ready for bed and had some extra clothes and a brown paper bag on the floor. I turned out the lights and could hear some ambient noise in the hall. It was the other students talking and walking from room to room. I could feel... Though, that I was not alone in the room. I knew there was someone in the room with me. I was shaken. I wasn't sure what this person wanted or what their state of mind was. Oh, that's a bummer. I could hear something moving the paper bag on the floor. I could hear it rustle in the dark. I was scared now. Then I heard... Then I heard what sounded like sock feet scooting across the floor. Oh! That's a very... That's a bold intruder. Non-intimidating. If you can hear (laughs) that it's wearing socks. Demons don't wear socks. The bastards. That we know of. (laughs) This was not a demon, but it could have been an ornery ghost and it clearly wanted to fuck with me. Finally, after what felt like 30 minutes of fear and feeling frozen... To the bed, I sat straight up and demanded that it shut up and go away. I remember (laughs) saying out loud, I am an adult! (laughs) <laughs> I am not afraid of you, and now you are just pissing me off. Go away. The Fuck noises you, all stopped. Wouldn't it be <gasps> funny if it was just like some drunk sophomore that was like, oh shit, this is not 1A. <laughs> um, he's just terrified running. I went to sleep. <laughs> Shuffling fast. The noises all stopped. I went to sleep. The next day, I woke up and took all my clothes out of the bag and sat them on the chair. My friend was not back yet and must have still been early. I was a smoker at the time and remember checking my pack of smokes. <laughs> that goat better not have stolen my smokes in the purse and made sure I had plenty and put my lighter and smokes back in the purse. I went to the shower and came back. I put my jammies in the bag. That's adorable. Jammies. Yeah, Love yeah. you, Ruth. And was getting dressed. When I picked up my shorts from the pile of clean clothes on the chair, my lighter fell to the floor. I looked in the purse. The lighter I had just placed there before going in the shower was no longer in my purse. It had somehow moved from my purse to under my pants. Little shithead had had, had to get in one more shot before I left the room. LOL. Oh, Ruth. Oh, Ruth. Okay, so... uh, 
Oh, she has other stories, but I want to just, we're coming up on an hour, so I think I shall... We can pick up on it. Jump. Yeah, maybe I'll throw in another one at the end of the next one, but I'll do uh, one more, and then we'll be good. So this is titled A Better Life in the Big Easy. Sounds like a sexy ladies novel you'd find in the <laughs> romantic section. It has a red cover. Steamy. After my first marriage ended, I met Andy. He is my soulmate. We were married in a small ceremony in Gallipolis. Okay, it's got to be Gallipolis, Ohio. In the garden of an art museum. Yes, Ruth. I can feel my father with us. I could feel my father with us before the ceremony. I know he was there even though he had passed on just about a month before. After the wedding, we moved to New Orleans so Andy could pursue his dream of being a law professor. I bet... Wait, what's the... Is it Loyola is in New Orleans? What's the university in New Orleans? There's like a famous... I'll look up where Loyola is. I want to look up... Uh, it's in New Orleans, yeah, Loyola. Hey, I'm going to look up um, New Orleans universities, because I think there's more. I mean, LSU is in, is it in Baton Rouge? It is. Tulane. Ah. Tulane uh, is the other famous one. And then there's okay. a bunch of other, like, offshoots Small. of LSU, etc. All right, well, now that you've all learned that, after we moved to New Orleans so he could be a law professor, for the first year he taught uh, torts and civil procedure at Loyola High, New Orleans College of Law. We lived in a suburb of Materi. Materi. Oh, God, I don't know how to say that. I'm ashamed as a Southerner. It was a perfect place to live, close to the fun stuff, but it was quite but it was a quiet community. We moved there about 2 years post Katrina. The job market was wide open. <laughs> I bet. Nice. Yeah. And we loved going on the ghost tours of the French Quarter. Our apartment was almost like a shotgun style townhouse. It was two levels but had a very long hallway from the front door to the back door and you could see the back back of the downstairs from the front door. There was an office just off the entryway from the front door in the back of the apartment downstairs was a kitchen and the living room just off the kitchen and across from the office in front of the apartment was a stairway to the upstairs bed and bathrooms i did not log any of what i just read but for those who are better at spatial awareness than me you have a very clear picture i imagine i just pictured my own house and i'm gonna go from there that is not what you should be picturing Uh, wrong. Think about. <laughs> I like to make it feel real. Think about the townhomes in like the heights, on the road. Yeah. Like it's like vertical, long. I have a my house is like very long. Wait, you mean your house that you live in now? That I'm living in right now. Okay. Not my parents. When anytime you say your house, 1930s I think of your bungalow. House. Yeah, I was like that is literally the opposite <laughs> of what she described. That's like a shack. It is yeah. not a shack. It is um it's a, a loving Morgan cocoon. So, um, beep, bop. one Saturday I was gathering dirty clothes from the upstairs to do laundry. Seems I'm always doing laundry. Anyway, I, feel that. <laughs> I was walking with my back to the front bedroom upstairs when I felt like someone was there. Was that a dog bark? 
Yeah, she's harassing the cat. That's weird. Sorry. <laughs> I guess it's not weird. It's very typical. Uh, late, late. I was when I felt like someone was there. I turned to face the doorway of the front bedroom. I expected to see someone, but no one was there. I was just about to turn and head down the stairs when I heard a little girl's voice say, Mommy? Uh, no. <laughs> it was so clear. It was so uh, there, right there. I went downstairs and asked Andy if he had heard anything and if he was watching something on TV with a little girl. He said no. I told him what I heard. I wasn't shaken. We laughed it off because I was no one's mommy yet. <laughs> I love. Well, it's not true. Ha 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 ha. So, all right. I'd be I guess shitting it's not, my pants. Yeah. Uh, uh, no. I'd never stop. You talking know what about I it. would do? Burn it to the ground. Um, I laughed it off because I was no one's mommy yet. This would have been summer of two thousand seven. Our oldest daughter, Hadley, was born in Columbus, December of 2009. It wasn't until about two years old, she was about two years old, I realized it was her voice I heard. <gasps> oh! Do you remember I mentioned that sort of thing happening like an episode or two ago? About like a baby coming, her toddler oh, coming yeah. before they, they um, made their way? And in her concluding paragraph, she says, also in that apartment about two or three months before we were set to move to Houston, Texas, whoop, <gasps> we kept noticing a puddle would form on the kitchen counter. There was no evidence of leaks from either bathroom on the second floor or from anywhere in the kitchen. We had numerous visits from the maintenance department to confirm everything was fine, but knowing that we lived there only two years after Katrina, having a drippy ghost was not a surprise. We moved to Houston in May of 2008. After living through Ike in Houston, yeah, that's not a, it's not a great year to move to Houston. No, because 2011 is right around the corner, and the Great Recession. We moved back to Hilliard, 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 Hilliard. I don't know, Ohio, a Columbus suburb, to have our first daughter Hadley. And 19 months later, we welcomed our youngest daughter Morgan. <laughs> <laughs> She concludes by saying, life is great. And did you know that that little baby Morgan grew up to be nowhere near this podcast? It is not Morgan. <laughs> this is not Morgan's mom. <laughs> I would love to hear from you, Patty, though. <laughs> I wonder if she has any ghost stories she's been holding out on. Um, She's a networker. Talk to her, connect with her network because she would have told him. <gasps> Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. If you liked what you heard and you want to let us know, give us a review. That's what you can do. Right so, now. Uh, give us a review. Five stars would be excellent. Um, and say a few I words because that is more impactful and it helps us. Uh, we're heading into busy season, so we need to let other people know that they can feel safe in our care and you can help them do that if you have your own scary story email it to us at scary story nope uh, letters to camp from gmail.com you can also find us on instagram and you can email us from there super easy you just press boop email and you can let us know your stories you can even direct message me um although that is more cumbersome to read but you don't care about me uh yeah. <laughs> uh you can find merch at redbubble.com and uh you can also find us on facebook 
which is basically a sounding board for uh, Instagram posts so you don't uh, miss out on anything. I believe that is it. I want you all to have a very spooky night. The Professor's Dreams. The Haunted Things. Goodbye.